All right, so we're back here with a discussion-based podcast. We're going to be talking about kind of a blend between hip mobility and stability, with the topic being three ways to improve your hip mobility without stretching or mobilizing. Before we want to get into that, just hopeful everyone's having a good, as good as it can be, start to 2021. Uh, optimistic that coronavirus life as we know it will hopefully become a little bit more ordinary. My mental goal is by the end of summer 21, early fall 21. So hopefully we're in the home stretch here. You know, historically pandemics usually have about an 18 month shelf life. So even though it currently feels like we've been doing this for years, everything is par for the course. And again, I'm hopeful things keep trending in the right direction. Um, we just had a cool podcast a couple weeks ago with Pete Rumford, physical therapist, Southern California, kind of talking about core first strategies. Again, today we're going to be giving you some strategies to improve your, your hip health and function um, and a tons more fun content to come. Reach out with questions, concerns, content you want to hear. Ideally, I want to be talking through interviewing people who are interesting topics or what you want to be hearing and things again where you can act, uh, practically apply right away and benefit from immediately. Um, but let's get into it. So again, topic today, three ways to improve hip mobility without stretching. So before we can get into some strategies, which we will go over again, three different drills that you can do is the idea of first understanding mobility or mechanical changes and stability or neuromuscular changes, right? And you really can't have one without the other. But what I've learned with hips, which are supposed to be a mobile joint, and one of the yonder approaches to movement is, you know, usually you have mobile joints surrounded by stabilizing or stability joints. So your ankle's a mobile joint, your knee's more of a stability joint, your hip's a mobile joint, your lumbar spine's more of a stability joint. In that when these mobility joints are dysfunctional, it's usually because what's around them, there's dysfunction. So you lack hip mobility because you really lack lumbar and maybe knee stability. But point being is, is they can't really separate one from the other. And especially if you're a youth athlete, you're 40 or 50 or younger, it's very unlikely that you have true intraarticular within joint mechanical changes that have led to a loss of hip mobility. It's very unlikely that you have bone-on-bone -bone arthritis where you need to truly work on hip capsular mobility to improve your hip mobility. It's unlikely you have like a loose bone fragment or something in there that the hip itself is the cause of that mobility dysfunction. It does exist, but often not the first thing we should be thinking of. When we think about hip mobility, usually what's going on when you've lost hip mobility, it's this issue where the hip is in this guarded tension state and it's protecting itself. So the hip lacks stability and control. We're repetitively loading that hip. Then you load a joint that doesn't have that base of support, doesn't have that alignment, doesn't have that control. And the inherent reaction is to guard and to stiffen. You could do cupping, dry needling, grasting, uh, fill in the blank of any sort of mobility drill that you want to do, you'll get immediate changes, 
you'll look like you're heading down the path of the right direction, but it'll all come back unless you inherently improve that stability, right? So mobility and working on mechanical things is a great tool, a great way to create a window to then stabilize, but usually the long-term solution is to get an appropriate stability in your hip. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk through today, right? You could lose hip flexion range, you could have pinching in your hip with hip flexion and do drills to improve it, but what is the stability that's driving it? Likewise, you could look hip extension, you could have hip flexor tension, you could have a rectus femoris, you could have maybe apophysitis of pulling on that rectus and causing bone inflammation, but what's leading to that loss of hip extension range? And usually the patterns that we'll see is you'll see a loss of hip flexion, usually in combination with a loss of hip internal rotation. You usually see a loss of hip extension with a loss of hip external rotation. And those are just some general patterns that you'll see. Another pattern that you'll see is when one hip lacks flexion in one direction, let's say on the right side you lack flexion, usually on the contralateral opposite side you'll lose extension. So it's good to think about, ooh, if I'm stiff here, I need to check the other hip, but also think about checking that other opposite pattern. And the body usually works in reciprocation like that because that's how we function, right? With gait and stairs and squats and lunges and so forth. So to get right to the point here, what are three drills that you could do to improve mobility, right? And these drills, again, are gonna be strength-based. You could use them as warm-ups before lower body strength. You could use them as like a warm-up drill for running. You could use them as recovery drills. I just did a bunch of squats. I know squats are my dysfunctional pattern. I'm gonna use these after I squat to make sure I retrain and don't lead to inhibition, right? Inhibition meaning weakness leading to that guarded. You load a joint that's maybe a little too aggressive, it's gonna get guarded, it's gonna get inhibited, and you could use these kind of drills to make sure you lube the joint, make sure you keep retraining these patterns, and ideally keep the motion you got. So let's say you have a loss of hip extension range, and this is something that I think is popular on social media, but I see has a big value, is instead of doing hip extension drills of kneeling hip extension stretches, a Thomas stretch where you're kind of hanging your leg off the edge of an ottoman or bed, um, instead of doing foam rolling on the front of the hip, is you could do a dead bug, right? You think of a dead bug exercise as being on your back, bringing one of your knees to your chest, lowering it back to the ground with that idea of keeping a neutral spine. So as your leg moves, your pelvis and spine are rigid. You think of this as a hip flexion stretch, but you could do it in a negative way and do it off the edge of a bench or a box where you can increase that range into a negative. And then that negative stabilizing exercise, which would be an eccentric, will actually create eccentric length to the anterior structures. So again, to be specific, I lack hip extension on my left side. I'm gonna go onto my back off the edge of a bench or a box. I'm gonna bring both my knees to my chest. I could do it more in a locked out assisted pattern where I hold my right knee to my chest and I slowly lower my left leg, actively control the drop of my left leg, ensuring my spine is flush with the box or bench that I'm sitting on. My tempo I wanna do is about five or six seconds going as far down into that leg drop as I can without letting my low back arch off the, the box or the bench. If I'm actively with my hands pulling my right knee to my chest, it's gonna make it a lot easier to control my spine position. Once I get the hang of that, I could then actively control my right knee to my chest as I lower my left leg. 
and now I'm gonna be actively controlling more of that neutral spine as I lower my left leg. Once you get to the hang of that is you can even start loading it. I could put a kettlebell around my toes on my left leg. I could put a band around my leg. I could have someone manually resist, but now I'm doing resisted eccentric work into extension and you're gonna get quicker changes. You're gonna get strength as you change and you're doing neuromuscular control. So that'd be a way to improve hip extension without actually mobilizing extension. The next drill I wanna get into is working on hip flexion. So we talked about maybe a loss of hip extension on your left. What are ways that you can work on hip flexion on your right? Bringing that knee to your chest without truly just sitting there and stretching your hamstrings or pulling your knee to your chest. One of the ways that I like to do that is the squat. Like it might seem kind of weird to think about, but hopefully it's kind of common sense. If I have a loss of hip flexion, knee to chest, and I have a pinch with flexion, one of the best ways to load that pattern, create approximation or loading into the joint, create length with strength, is to squat. So the, one of the easiest ways to squat if you can get past the level of a body weight squat is to do a goblet squat, meaning hold the weight on the front of your chest. It could be a dumbbell, it could be a goblet. Another great way to load is to create a little of assistance below. So I could put a weight on my chest, do a goblet squat, but also create assistance below by putting a prop underneath my heels. So if I take away the load of dorsiflexion or make it easier to dorsiflex, inherently with a triple flexion pattern, it will make it easier to flex or bend my hips. If I put a load on the front of my chest, that makes it easier to counterbalance the squat pattern. It makes it easier to maintain an upright trunk as I squat. If I am trying to flex my hip, I want to think about squatting with less hinge in my hip and more of that upright vertical pattern of my trunk or torso. So again, I can have a weight on my chest, a prop underneath my heels, and then the next thing to think about is tempo, right? So we just did eccentrics with the leg drop to improve extension. We can also do eccentrics as we go into a squat depth to improve flexion of my hip. So the tempo that I like to do here is called an eccentric isometric. I got all this squat set up that we just talked about. I'm doing a four or five count on the way down. At the bottom of the squat, I'm doing a four or five count hold at the bottom. There's the isometric. And then I'm doing a one or two second ascent. Slow down, hold normal tempo on the up. I'm doing lengthening and strengthening on the way down. I'm doing a prolonged hold at the bottom of the squat to get prolonged tissue tension, but also getting neurological feeding or control into the pattern over time, which will help my brain figure it out. And then a normal tempo on the way up. You'd be impressed if you do four or five of these with that tempo. Before you do it, you bring your knee to the chest. You might have a pinchy hip in supine or on your back. Do the goblet with load, go back into the pinching hip position, you'll notice the range improves, the pinching goes away, and you're getting strength, right? This is the kind of stuff that has longer lasting changes versus someone doing soft tissue on your hamstring or doing a strap assisted mobilization. Keep it simple, train into the patterns of dysfunction, train with education and tempo and knowledge and not pushing into sharp pain, and you'll get strength and you'll get longer lasting changes. So we talked about a hip extension way with the leg drop. We talked about kind of a goblet squat for knee flexion. 
The other thing that we tend to lose, sorry, hip flexion. The other thing we tend to lose are rotations. So with rotations, internal and external, that's a great way to work the entire hip capsule. Just like with the shoulder, rotation, for every degree of rotation, you get twice the amount of flexion or extension. So rotation is a great starting point. And usually you're not gonna maybe go into this mobilization to start to prove rotation, there'd be some other ways. But a drill that I love to set up rotation is getting into that 90-90 shin box. So if you don't know what that is, you're on the ground, you have your legs in these 90 degree angles. One's pitched in front of you where your hip is flexed and then your knees at a 90 degree angle. The other leg's pitched behind you, your hips more extended with your knee at a 90 degree angle and you create these kind of opposite hip flexion 90 degree angles. You can use your hands to help hold you up but your trunk is vertical with the legs in these opposite 90 degree positions. What I love about this is it takes you into that reciprocation posture. Reciprocation meaning one leg in flexion, the other in extension. What I also love about this is the inherent trunk stability it's gonna to take to hold yourself up. So I've got reciprocal leg positions and I'm requiring core trunk stability to hold myself up. Simply being there is a great starting point. Maybe I'm using blocks to help me hold me up or sticks and just working on diaphragmatic belly breathing and working on breathing to improve my core stability, improve my neuromuscular control, and also to improve relaxation into this position. Let's say you can get into that 90-90 shin box fairly well with ease. The next thing I love to do are then hip pivots in and out of this. So my leg that's more behind me in that extension internal rotation pattern, I'll lower and lift that leg and do active hip rotations with load into the joint. I'll do 15 to 20 rotations. Here I'm not doing that extension with prolonged hold, I'm doing more active pivots, active pumping, and trying to, again, give myself a low load, high rep, neuromuscular control to build better endurance and control. With the front leg, you could do the similar thing, but it's a little bit trickier to get into that end range hip flexion external rotation. So here I might do hip hinges, where I'm almost going into in and out of like a pigeon drill, where that hinging of my hip will inherently cause more flexion external rotation. I can play with different trunk angles, trying to wind up my trunk into more external and internal, but I love these positions to do, again, hip rotations in both external and internal at different tempos. I can eventually start loading with bands. Um, I can even get dynamic and go from this shiny 9090 uh, shin box to like a weird tall kneel position. And there's so many great variations here. But this is just a great posture that I love to work on postural stability, but again, that ability to control hip rotation. So again, this is active hip rotation where I can then do a pre-potest of looking at a Faber figure four position and see if I'm getting immediate changes without stretching. So those are three different drills that you can do to improve hip mobility without actually stretching or doing passive soft tissue elongation techniques of whatever variety you like to do. I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but when it comes to mobility, we need to go on that pathway or trajectory to think about improving stability to improve mobility. Hopefully you got a couple little nuggets there. Reach out with questions. Again, more fun content to come. Have a good day.